Hello and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly show about finance, money and investing. I'm your host, Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. And this week, I'm really pleased to have Grant Hackett, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Gen Life or Generation Life. And this show goes out on uh, normally Radio Northern Beaches and nationally through the Community Radio Network. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thanks very much for having me, Ray. Great to be joining you. Wonderful. Now, for a few of the younger set, they may not necessarily know who Grant Hackett is. I know in amongst my age group, I guess your name is a bit of a household name. When I mentioned you to my children who watch no sport whatsoever, I must tell you, they just went, Grant who? And uh, my wife immediately went, yeah, he's an Olympian. You've heard of him. They just went, no. Well, that just means I'm getting old, right? That's all that says. So. <laughs> well, again, you're still getting you're still getting some headspace because, and again, congratulations on the birth of your child. And uh, yeah. yeah, we saw that on on a bit of national telly. So uh, again, congratulations. That's wonderful. Now, I, I guess one of the things that I'm uh, I'm curious before we get into today's subject, which is about tax aware investing, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit because. Um, many uh, sports people, and being that we are a sports nut nation, a, a lot of sports people after they've been you know, full-time and and have heard you speak before about the relentless hours of you know, following the black line up and down a, a pool, um, right. I, I felt for you because I was in the forces for many, many years and so getting up early and doing all that palaver. But I guess you didn't get into broadcasting. Uh, you got into finance. Tell me why you got into finance. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I, I, I did a bit of the broadcasting stuff just because I enjoyed promoting the sport that, you know, gave me so much. But I always loved finance. Ever since I was a young kid, I'd been trading shares from a very, very young age, from a teenager, right. in fact. And yeah, I was I was right into this space. And um, and that's never changed. In fact, that, that passion and love for finance has actually grown over time. And I love, you know, transactions. I love, you know, markets. I've always been interested in investing at a personal level, whether that's, you know, listed, unlisted assets. So, for me, it was always a very natural transition into to financial services, which kind of kicked off after my third Olympics in Beijing. I started working for, for Westpac BT um, and then kind of moved moved through several different roles there into some quite senior roles. And yeah, a few years ago, I got the opportunity to run the sales side of this business because I have a pretty vast sales and, and marketing background. And yeah, sitting here as the, the chief executive officer of, of this business today. So yeah, always just had a real passion and drive. And I think... Um, from my own personal perspective, I'm, you know, and as you can imagine, being an athlete, I'm very goal orientated. So, for me to have a, a really strong purpose, have some really strong goals, to be ambitious around those goals, and try and scratch myself, I think is an important part of my personality that I actually need to feed. Otherwise, I, I don't really feel like myself. To to be totally frank, I guess one of those aspects, and given that dollars and making sense is all about financial education, I, I strive. Uh, Pretty well every night at the dinner table, uh, we, we you know as a family. Even though my kids are all in their twenties, we still have dinner together as a family, and I talk to them about this kind of stuff. My son actually does the editing; he's a video and, and audio editor by trade. Yeah. But um, and he'll come back now and then and go, "Oh, that was a really interesting show, Dad." But my my other two will sit there and go, "Finance." I, I guess <laughs> you know how old are your kids at the moment, Grant? So I've got twins that are 13 going on 14 actually um, in September of this year. So um, they're from a first marriage and then I've got a three-year-old and, and a newborn um, baby that's only two and a half weeks old actually. So, yeah, so a pretty diverse set, um, four kids in total, which uh, keeps me very busy. But, 
Yeah, I, I always find it quite interesting because I, I talk to a lot of my athletic friends, you know, not just from the, the sport of swimming, but, but different sports as well. And the one thing that I always say when it comes to your own finances is the buck stops with you. At the end of the day, you can trust a lot of people, but you've got to know the questions you should be asking your accountant, you should be asking your financial advisor, you know, in terms of understanding your mortgage and the way interest works and, you know, in terms of your income and tax and all those sorts of things, you've got to have a, a, at least a, a decent understanding to be able to manage your finance as well, but actually to achieve some financial goals as well. So, and, and I'm a big believer in financial advice. So I understand the complexity um, of financial services and, you know, regulatory change all the time and frameworks changing around you and obviously different tax brackets and different entities mm -hmm. or different structures that you can utilise, whether it's companies or personally, to invest through. And like sport, doesn't matter how good a sportsman you are, you always have a coach. And like in life, when it comes to your finances, if you want to be better, it's good to have a coach in place. And that coach comes in the form of education, financial advice, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to have good people around you that you can lean on. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. I guess a great place to start, and given that this radio show has been going for over three years now, we did a number of shows in concert with the Financial Planning Association of Australia a number of years back and modelled uh, four shows on education for children. And I'm always of the great view, you're never too young to start. And uh, and we were talking about teaching kids at primary school and involvement in PNC Associate as young as five and six. Do you feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's critical to understand money and how it works. I mean, some people might call it the necessary evil, but at the end <laughs> of the day, that's when I feel like money controls and owns you when you view it like that. If you control mm. money, it's it's not an evil thing. It actually gives you opportunity to, to do the things that you really want to do. So the more you're educated around it, the more you understand it, the more comfort, the less fear that you have, um, the better the position and the less anxiety you're going to have around your, your finances. So if you can start anyone from a very young age in any field that you believe is a really important life skill, um, and of course, finances is, is a critical one to, to living a good life, living a healthy life with a family, or it's going into retirement, whatever phase of life you're in, you're going to need those skills around your finances. So you, learning that, I, I remember having my first bank account, my Dolomite account, you know, with CBA, like that was- oh, a there's a name, there's a name. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, but, but those are all the things that I really remember. I thought, oh, I really wanted to save money. And I remember when I was 10, I wanted a pair of Oakley sunglasses more than anything. It took me nine months to save up for those. You know, I was saving lunch money and, you know, sort of skimming where I could, doing chores around the house where I could. But all of those sorts of things give you these life lessons around money that I've, I've never forgotten. And, and I always makes me respect the value of a dollar when I think how hard I had to work back then just to buy a pair of $100 sunnies. I must say, I try and impress on my children. I encourage them to do a paper run very early in the piece so that they could associate the $10 that they made delivering you know, 250 papers around the local suburb. And we live in a very heli suburb here <laughs> on, on the northern beaches in Bilgola Plateau. And so they'd come back sort of going, do we have to? And I'm sort of going. And, and the nice thing, Grant, was I was able to say, okay, how many paper runs is this going to take you to get that new headset that you want for your video game? Because they're all big into video gaming. And so being able to have that, that correlation between a, a tangible work effort to dollars and cents, I think was really, really useful because I think COVID has made it even more so now. We're so cashless now. Mm. So all they're seeing is this transaction of numbers, yeah. but but no correlation. And that's why I still, I kind of miss physical money in a bit of a way, 
But I, I think from that perspective, and, and again, harping back to what you and I, I guess, specialise in, um, my kids often ask me and, you know, people at barbecue and say, so what do you do? And I, I look at them and say, I buy and sell money. And they look at me really strangely and they go, you do what? And I say, I buy and sell money. Because when you when you market and sell bonds, mm. just like, you know, what you do at Gen Life with, with your tax aware stuff, which we'll get to in, in a moment, you know, the idea of buying and selling money, people think very strange, yet people are doing it every day when you think about credit cards, when you think about home loans, car loans, every time you take money out of somebody's account that's not yours and you're borrowing from a bank, you're buying and selling money. And my right. my kid, yeah, my kids were sitting there going, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I'm mm. going, well, you should think about it that way because yeah. people are buying very expensive money these days, aren't they? They are, they are. And that's what I was about to say, you know, the point around buying and selling money, what's the cost to do that? You know, yeah. and what's the best mechanism? What's what's deductible debt versus non-deductible debt? Some people go, "What are you even talking about?" You know, so <laughs> um, you know all those sorts of elements are, are really, really important because they do maximise your financial well-being. And most people are stressed about money, and particularly when you see inflation and cost of living and all these other pressures. If you're not prepared, if you're going to put your head in the sand around your finances, you know it's going to end up being a, a big issue for you down the line because it all it always catches up with you, like most things in life. So the sooner you can stare into a problem, or the sooner you can, you know, understand something in a little bit more detail and have a bit more preparation around it, and understand how you are buying and selling money, the cost to do that, the most efficient mechanism to do it, you know, what's what, what's this asset actually valued to me? Because if you say to someone. Are you willing to buy that new headset? You know, you said around your kids before, Ray. Are you willing to do it at 20% interest or would you do it at 2% interest? And what does that actually look like down the line? You think, there's no way I want to pay, pay that back. So then you go, the value of the thing that I'm actually buying is not worth the, the, the transactional cost around that. So there's so many different emotional elements to this that I think you're right around the physical side of money that brings it home a lot more versus this kind of electronic transaction that we're so, so used to these days. Well, look, we're going to go to a break a little bit early because I think it's a good segue before we get into the meaty part of what we're talking about today and that buying and selling of money and tax aware because, again, uh, the two evils that we can't get away from, I guess, is death and taxes. And um, we're all going to die one day, but taxing, I think, is something that we either partake of and we're not ever talking about anything illegal. But, I mean, as Kerry Packer once famously said, you know, if you don't minimise the tax that you're paying, you're a fool. Mm. And, and I guess from that perspective, we're going to go for a short break. I'm here with Grant Hackett from uh, Generation Life. Uh, this is Dollars and Making Sense. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, and thank you for listening to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly radio program about finance, money and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally on the community radio network around Australia. The views, comments and opinions aired during our program should not be construed or viewed as financial advice. Any commentary is general advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether the advice is suitable for you and your personal circumstances. If in doubt, you should contact an authorised licensed financial planner. We welcome questions and feedback and you can get in touch with us via our blog, social media channels or email. Please search for Dollars and Making Sense in your favourite podcast platform or check out our blog at otgcapital.com.au forward slash blog.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly show about finance, money, and investing. I'm really pleased to have at the microphone today with me Grant Hackett from Generation Life. And yes, it is the Grant Hackett that used to swim uh, meters and meters and meters and mornings and mornings and mornings, he told me at a presentation once. Uh, I feel for you, I guess. Do you miss uh, the, the 5.30 mornings or even earlier, Grant? <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I was in the water by five thirty, so I was up a quarter to five every single morning. So I don't really miss you know swimming 15, 16 k's six days a week. The, the feeling you'll I'll always will miss though is that feeling of you know winning for your country or winning a world championship oh, I bet. World record or, or something along those lines. I mean, that's that's a very very hard feeling to to replace in life, unfortunately. But um, yeah, you don't miss the work or the effort that goes into actually delivering a result like that. I'm just curious, before we get into the topic, I, I used to be an Army officer, and so we still get together as an alumni, uh, and we had our 40th uh, reunion anniversary last November in Canberra at uh, at the Joint Services Officers Club. I'm curious, do you get together as Olympic teams and, and re reunite uh, periods of time? So I'm just curious. Yeah, we, we do, actually. I mean, we've got all our sort of... Um state associations and obviously, you know, the Australian Olympic Committee that always put alumni um, sort of opportunities together for former athletes um, of the Olympics, regardless of sport. You know, just even on my WhatsApp, um, I've got the, the whole Olympic team, men's team that I was with at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. And we were always, oh. and, uh, particularly when something like, you know, footy season's on or state of origin's obviously on. And, and <laughs> yeah, so it's always, a, it's always good fun to still stay connected to, to something that, really was, you know, a, a huge part of my life for so long. Oh, I bet. I bet. So, look, the purpose of today is, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about tax-aware investing. Now, one of the things you and I both do is we're involved in bonds. And as I was saying before we went to the break, we are about buying and selling money. And uh, I've done some stuff, uh, just education pieces around, you know, what a bond is. And in effect, it's a loan. Now, what do you guys do at Gen Life that's a little bit different in the bond space to what maybe we might do in, in doing commercial lending? What, what do you do at Gen Life around bonds? Yeah, so when it, when it comes to our investment bonds, well, first and foremost, I mean, you choose your investment. So you're not, you know, binded to any one investment class or anything like that. So if you want Australian mm -hmm. equities, you want fixed interest, you want cash, you want global equities, you have the choice of all that or a diversified fund that obviously captures um, a certain amount of each depending on your risk profile. So from our sort of perspective, we're, we're, we're quite investment agnostic. Where we really come into play is because um, an investment bond has a maximum tax rate of 30%. And it works on a thing called revenue account. Now, as an individual, you, you work on capital account. You know, you'd see that with your um, things like your superannuation and, and other investment structures that you could utilize. But really, we're just another investment structure like a trust, like a company, like a, an individual. But I'll compare us to superannuation for a second because the difference between mm -hmm. us and those other structures is that we're an after-tax paying product. So we manage the tax position for all of our investors, which is that maximum tax rate of 30%. But because we work on that revenue account, we can do things like offset a capital loss against income. Now, most people would know when they have a capital loss, they have to carry that loss forward until they have an opportunity to use it against a capital gain. So it's things like that that we have that are just the unique tax rules of the particular structure, like you would have unique tax rules in superannuation, that we're able to, to maximise. So we get our effective tax rate. So the actual tax that's paid 
in between about 12 to 15% for our tax optimised um, structures. So from that point of view, there's a lot of tax efficiencies. But on the other side of it, um, because it's a, an investment-linked life contract, we're also governed by the Life Act, which means you can structure it as a non-estate asset. So a lot of people love to utilise the structure for, you know, one is tax efficiency. You know, they could be doing that, which I do for the, for this particular point, saving for private school fees. The, the other one could be for estate planning because you've got a lot of money and, you know, there's a bit of fragmentation perhaps within the family tree or, you know, you could have different kids from different marriages, all those sorts of things that really do come into play. And the more money, the more relatives, as we say, you, you tend to have. Um, <laughs> So at the, end of, at the end of the day, we're very much um, strategy-based, investment agnostic. That tax efficiency is critical. It's a big part of our innovations. It's one of the reasons we got the seventh most innovative company in the AFR Boss Awards. So from our point of view, we're always looking at ways to listen to the feedback from both the financial advisors and the investors that we work with to be able to create you know, product features and outcomes that they're looking for. So yeah, it's a, it's a great business and I, and I love what we do. And on the other side of the business too, we also have an investment-linked lifetime annuity, which is basically something you take out in retirement, helps you access more of the age pension for a lot of clients, but also on the other side, you know, is that point of never running out of money in retirement and solely, you know, relying perhaps on the age pension. So, yeah, our key products, um, we're really delivering better outcomes for people, which is what we love. I think what's fascinating is that the intergenerational reports just recently come out. And uh, although this show isn't necessarily time sensitive, uh, Dr. Chalmers, the treasurer, uh, was saying that in the next 30 or so years, the amount of people actually drawing the pension will reduce dramatically over the next 20 to 30 years, which, by the way, ladies and gents, is by design because that's what superannuation was meant to do, was to replace the age pension. Now, I, I guess one of the things that I'm really curious, though, Grant, you've talked a lot about being tax aware and, and this this kind of cap on tax. It sounds like, though, that people really need to be quite aware of what their taxable situation is when they come and look at something along the lines of the bonds that GenLife are doing. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. If you're a person who's on a high marginal tax rate, you've got a large taxable income, um, we're certainly a structure in terms of diversifying some of your investments um, you, mm. you would look at. If you're a person that's on a, a low tax rate, you would probably go, you know what, I'm probably better off using my own name for investment or putting more money inside superannuation. You know, if we look at some of our larger clients that have got, you know, multi-million dollar balances in superannuation, given the, the tax above the $3 million threshold with the double tax and being taxed on unrealised gains as well, that's those sorts of people who go, okay, I've got to look at some alternative structures like an investment bond to be able to utilise that. However, like I said before, tax is not the only driver. Some people might be happy to pay around the same tax rate, but they might be using our structure for a different strategy. And that could come in, you know, estate planning. Um, you can basically utilise us for estate planning purposes. And a lot of grandparents do this where they go, I want to leave something to the grandchildren and I want to bypass that generation. I don't want it to go through them. And we actually call, yeah, well, you know, if people have got marriages that their children have broken down, but of course they still want to look after the grandchildren or help support their private school fees, 
You can do that with multiple vesting periods or you can cap how much actually comes out of a product every single year. And we obviously do all the administration of all of that too. So you can control how and when your funds are distributed for estate planning purposes. So, you know, you're not necessarily looking at tax as your big driver. You want to make sure that stacks up, but it really might be the driver around the estate planning vehicle that you're looking for. So we really sit here as a, a product provider who is strategy-based for financial advisor and their clients because we go, everyone's got certain objectives and we'll say, does our product work for that objective? Yes, it does or no, it doesn't. And, you know, we're very that's transparent good, about that. That's a good way of looking at it, I guess, Grant. We've had um, uh, estate planning specialists on the show, a, a really good fellow that does a lot of work with the Australian Shareholders Association, uh, Peter Bobbitt. And, you know, when we were talking about that, I'm one of these boring guys that's been married to the same gal, you know, for 34 years. And so when I started understanding a lot more about split marriages and blended families and, and the palaver that, that goes with it, you know, both my parents have passed and even we still, you know, within a reasonably simple structure, when you are divvying up estates, as you rightly said, you know, the, the more money, the more relatives, because they all come out of the woodwork. It's just astounding. <laughs> I guess from that perspective, being able to, uh, I think, cleverly and effectively and efficiently being able to plan, and I know a lot of grandparents like to do what you've just said. You know, we talk to people like this all the time that are investing on behalf of not themselves, but being able to do intergenerational wealth transfer. And again, I'd make this point, ladies and gents, superannuation is not meant for intergenerational wealth transfer. And I think the current government is going to keep doing this legislation. Mm -hmm. I, I think, Grant, we also had a very interesting discussion recently about the $3 billion cap. I mean, do you, do you and GenLife have a particular view on that cap? Or I mean, it hasn't been legislated yet, but do you like it? Do you hate it? It's it's one of those things where you kind of, I mean, we, we don't necessarily take a view on, yes, it's right, yes, it's wrong. That's kind of not our objective as an organisation and we kind of don't mm -hmm. get into the, the political aspects of it. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, just what you said around leaving a bequest through superannuation, it wasn't meant for that. You know, there's been kind of, I'll, I'll call them loopholes for the, the lack of a better term. But, you know, we've, I'll, I'll say it for you then. <laughs> there have been loopholes. <laughs> there's been a, a, this huge, you know, pension system, superannuation system that we have done an incredible job at accumulation, right? Like this country is yeah. the fourth biggest pension pool in the world and we're 25 million people. So we've done an outstanding job of being able to grow this retirement savings. And I've kind of said, We've been like a dog chasing a car. We've now finally caught the car. And a lot of these baby boomers are now transferring into retirement and they're, they're not getting an efficient way to be able to administer this money, right? They, they get anxiety about how do I spend it? How long is it going to last before? I don't know what I'm going to pass away. My state planning, you know, needs and requirements here. I've also got tax implications. There's age pension considerations that I've got to think of. And one of the other really interesting points, why our structure is used for estate planning as well, is the fact that, a grandparent can pass this on to, say, a grandchild, as we've touched on, but there's no tax implications. If you're trying to do that through super, given the fact that they're a non-dependent, there's going to be tax implications in transferring that wealth. With us, you're 100% tax-free upon death. doesn't matter whether you're a dependent, non-dependent, you've held the product for one week or 100 years. It, it does not matter. It's 100% tax-free and it gets, you know, as soon as we get the, the copy of the death certificate, we then release those funds to that individual beneficiary if that's what was intended for them. So, you know, for us, it's a very, very efficient vehicle in terms of the $3 million threshold. You kind of sit back and you go, how much does one individual actually need for retirement? Really? Like you kind of sit there with common sense. You go, 
probably having 50 or $60 million in there is not the most efficient tax system, you know, in terms of the equitable and sustainable way that the federal government wants to be able to operate our, our superannuation system. So you can appreciate the argument and then you've got to go, well, if this is going to, I guess, impact you know, 80,000 Australians, they've then got to start to look for alternatives. They've then got to start to look to sell down assets. Again, this legislation has got to be passed, but it's not really the $3 million threshold that I think is the big issue. This doesn't affect 99.5% of people, as we know. What really impacts people is the narrative of change and superannuation. How much can I actually trust super? We had the coalition government make changes back in 2017 where they capped it, capped concessional, non-concessional, um, you know, contributions there. And then we also had, you know, Short and Bowen when they were coming to the federal election, I think that was for May 2019, where they were going to the franking inside super was the other issue then. Now we've obviously got the change on the $3 million cap. So I think it's the narrative of change where it's like, wait a second, regardless of how much I have in super, I've probably got to think about some other structures for my investments rather than just being, hey, 1992, super guarantees, uncapped, can put as much as I want in there, fantastic. Like the party's sort of stopped now and you've got to be a bit more clever. And, and financial advisors have really, you know, understand that now and appreciate that probably structures like ours and other structures that they should be utilising need to be thought through a little bit more before you're just piling all of your bickies into something like superannuation. And I think that's a, a really good point, Grant, that you make to maybe round out today's discussion uh, is the role of financial advisors. Uh, we keep on saying on the show often and keep saying to people, you know, we only give general advice here on this show. And if you aren't sure, ladies and gents, please, please, please go and see a financial advisor, just like a good swimming coach, I think, Grant. Mm -hmm. That helps you correct your stroke and your breathing. Same thing with a financial advisor. They'll help you do your budgeting. They'll help you do your tax planning. That's what they're there for. And I guess Gen Life works hand in glove with, uh, I guess, many advisors, don't you? Yeah, with thousands of uh, financial advisors. And like I said, we're a big believer in that because what they do for clients, at the end of the day, yeah, it's great to see your investment grow. It's it's great to feel like you've, you've sorted out in terms of estate planning and you've minimised your tax. You know, you carry pack a point. I think, you know, <laughs> World Commission, he said, you know, I think I'd need my head read if I'm going to pay more tax than I need to. So, which Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. A, a pretty good response to that question. But at the end of the day, what a financial advisor does for you, it, it removes the emotional anxiety that you have around money, around your retirement. Like going into retirement, one of the things that we have, so our investment-linked lifetime annuity called Life Income, um, which is you know, a product that you take out, you get a discount on the assets test. So it does allow a lot of people, depending on their financial circumstances, access more of the age pension, gives you more certainty around your income. But what it really allows people to do is when you go into retirement, you can actually spend money knowing you're not going to run out of money because what's happening to a lot of people is, you know, you've got 30 years of retirement, the first 15 years, you're actually healthy enough to go out there and do the travel, do the social activities, have all the fun that you need to. But the last 15 years, your health's probably deteriorated quite a bit. You're probably not getting out of your own postcode anymore. You're not doing as many social activities because you just can't do it. But they've saved all this money because they had so much anxiety at the start of retirement. They didn't spend anything. They didn't do the travel. But then they get to this back half of retirement and they look at their account-based pension and they're like, oh, my God, my balance is so high. I haven't enjoyed it, but I can't spend it now because I physically can't do those things anymore. So we yeah. call that regret risk here at Generation Life. And that's <laughs> oh. what we're trying, to, we're trying to stop people doing. And that's why we love working with financial advisors because they are the coach. They're the guide to 
allow people to enjoy their retirement, to remove the anxiety and stress of, am I going to run out of money even though I've got $600,000 or $700,000 sitting in my superannuation? So we're really trying to, to help address the needs of everyday Australians to be able to deliver outcomes. And, you know, certainly retirement, if you've worked for 40 years, you want to make sure that you capitalise on it and enjoy every moment throughout that period. Wonderful. And we've run out of time now, Grant. Look, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. We'd love to have you back another time if you've got uh, any space in your busy schedule. It's always uh, like that, I guess. So all the best to you. And uh, and again, you know, congratulations on the latest birth in your family. Thanks for coming on Dollars and Making Sense. I appreciate it. Great chat. Thanks for that, Ray. Cheers.